Hello, and welcome to the MIT Press Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Gondek, and today I'll be speaking with Josh Lerner about his new book, Making Democracy Fun, How Game Design Can Empower Citizens and Transform Politics. Josh Lerner is executive director of the Participatory Budgeting Project, a nonprofit organization in New York City that empowers communities to decide how to spend public money. Josh Lerner, thanks for being on the MIT Press Podcast today. Thank you for having me. Early on in your book, you point out that while the idea of democracy is very popular, in practice it is less so. Is this because if you discount the spectacle that it's an election, democracy is actually pretty dull? I don't think it's dull. It's, it's inherently challenging, but not dull. So, I mean, democracy, it's simply a process by which people govern, uh, in which you know, a group of people decide together what to do. And this happens all the time, whether you're deciding what restaurant to go to or in games, if, say, a soccer team is deciding how to advance the ball down the field. Um, and so this can be very engaging and, and really central to our lives. What I think game designers have done is they've been most successful at designing democracy to be more interesting and fun. So taking this basic practice of people coming together and, and governing and turning that into an engaging and interesting activity. And the rest of us could learn a lot from that as to how to make democracy in practice uh, less dull and more interesting. If someone sees this book at a bookseller and it's in the political science section, they might think it is a book about political science and game theory. But it's not. It's a book about political science and game design. Could you explain the difference between game theory and game design? Sure. I and mean, they are very different. So game theory, it's really a theoretical model. And I place emphasis on the, on the theory side of that. It's a way of analyzing how people make decisions. So the, the best known example is Prisoner's Dilemma, where you have a couple prisoners, and if one of them cooperates with the police, then they can get a lighter sentence. But if they both cooperate, then they both get worse sentences. And so it's a way of analyzing how people interact in certain situations. No one sits down on a Friday night to play a game of Prisoner's Dilemma. It's just a, a methodological construction for analyzing and thinking about the world which is very different from games. Games are activities that we actually engage in and play and do in the real world. And uh, the main things that are different about games and uh, game theory, you know, game theory, again, it's this theoretical method, basically. It's a, an abstract concept, abstract models. Games, they involve actual conflict, artificial conflict, but, but real conflict between different teams. Um, people have a stake in it. They're playing uh, a game in their real world. Uh, there are real outcomes. And so it's a very different kind of endeavor. And most people actually think of games in the terms of game design. Uh, but you're right, they're within academia or within political science. Game theory is more dominant. What's interesting about game design as opposed to game theory uh, is that game design is about designing actual lived experiences, which is really what politics and political science should be about as well. There's a lot in common between game design and game theory. Uh, I mean, and there certainly are some tenets or rules of game theory that help inform game design and vice versa. But the real distinction for me is that game design is about how do we design the ways that we interact together in the real world based on experiences in the real world. And what you find is that some of the, the principles of game theory apply, but a lot isn't as relevant. And a lot of things that game designers do are really critical for, for crafting functional democratic processes. So someone wants to bring game design into the political process because games are interesting and increase citizen participation. Well, it sounds like a great idea. But are there early instances of games being used in the democratic process? Or are we seeing a burgeoning now because of the increased presence of games on digital platforms? Yes, I mean, games are by no means new. Games are, are ancient. And political games also are, 
uh, have a long history, and dating back over 100 years, to board games such as chess or, or Kriegspiel, which are used to analyze war situations and to enact and play out um, conflict, political conflicts. So there's a long history of using non-digital, face-to-face, um, often board games. And there's also a long history of, of social movements and organizers and activists using games to engage people, again, usually face-to-face through workshops. So, for example, in Latin America, a lot of popular education movements that started in Brazil in the 60s and 70s used games as a way to engage people, often illiterate peasants, in deciding how to organize together, how to affect social change in their communities. And they, they found that games were really effective for bringing people together and for processing some tricky political issues, um, more effective than you know, printed handouts or some of the more formal processes that we have for politics. Game design has become a lot more known and more common recently with digital games. And now most people think about games as video games, think about game design as designing uh, digital games. But there's a lot more to it than that. Um, and I, the, the history of games, I think we need to learn as much from those face-to-face experiences of games and social movements as from the video games that get a lot of attention nowadays. In this book, you go through a fairly exhaustive list of game design. Are the MLMs that are more critical to engaging a citizenry than the political process? Yeah, so there's, there's a ton of ingredients that go into a good game. And it'll depend on the context and what you want to accomplish, which ones you include and how. And there's no set recipe for how to do that. That said, there are some really core elements that you'll find across games and that can be uh, really critical for redesigning democracy as well. And for me, it's really about the three basic elements of games, uh, clear rules, artificial conflict, and measurable outcomes. So you start out having rules that people understand that are clearly presented that are legitimate. So when people enter into a game or into a political process, they know what they can and can't do. We think of rules often as limiting our behavior, but they also enable behavior. So rules are what enable us to take creative action within the space. If you think about soccer, if there were no rules playing soccer, it would be a pretty boring game. You could just pick up the ball and run to the other goal, and uh, not many people would play. What makes it interesting is what you can't do, that you can't pick up the ball, that you have to kick it, that you have to operate within a certain space. And in games, in really effective games, rules are generative. They, they help inspire creative action. So that's the first piece, is having clear rules that people believe in and understand. The second is artificial conflict. And conflict is probably clear. So if you have games, you have two teams or players competing against each other. The artificial part is really interesting, and that's where the conflict is limited, for the most part, to the game space. So again, in, in soccer, there's a conflict between two teams on the field. When they walk off the field, that conflict changes dramatically, and people are not in direct conflict with each other. And that artificiality enables us to enjoy games while still being in conflict. The interesting thing for democratic processes is that we we often think of conflict as bad. We want to avoid conflict. We want to avoid competition. It should be about working together. Um, And what games have done really well is using conflict and using competition to actually create more collaboration. So if you think of soccer, it's an incredibly competitive sport and an incredibly collaborative sport. And you have teams of players working together, partly because they're in conflict with each other. So there's a conflict between teams that inspires people to work really closely and productively together. Um, And you'll see that in a lot of the most interesting group games out there. The third piece is measurable outcomes. 
So in games, there's always a, a really clear and concrete outcome. Someone wins, loses, uh, gets a certain score, there's a tie, and that gives a sense of closure to the experience and something to aim for. And in uh, our meetings and um, public hearings and workshops and campaigns, I think we could do a lot more to link participation to outcomes. So why are people participating? What are they getting out of it? What, what's the end result of their participation? And if we can break that down as clearly and uh, with as much impact as, as games do, then people will have more of a reason to play. So for me, those are the real key pieces, having clear rules, um, conflict, artificial, artificial conflict, uh, and measurable outcomes. You know, hearing that makes me think of the fact that someone has to design the game before it's played. Are there concerns that those who design the games can rig the process so certain outcomes are more likely? Yes. And I certainly would not want to get the impression that games are a magic bullet that will solve all our problems. They, like any other process, can be used and misused. Um, people can manipulate players through games, and this certainly happens. Um, game designers have a lot of power. They create the structure for an experience that uh, people don't always see behind the scenes what goes into that work, but there's a lot that can limit what people can do, uh, can steer people in certain directions. And it's, it's really critical that we're sensitive to that and that players have the ability to see how games are designed, how experiences are designed, um, who makes those decisions, and what power they as, as citizens, as residents, as, as players can have over the design of a process. I will say that this is by no means unique to games, and there's a ton of manipulation that takes place in democracy without games. Uh, and in fact, that's often the status quo, where certain people know the rules, certain people dictate the process, and the average person showing up to a public meeting uh, really doesn't know a lot of what's going on and has pretty limited power to shape the outcomes. So while games are susceptible to manipulation, I think also they, they really create a window for getting around that. And they are inherently less manipulative than other processes in a sense. So in games, you have to make decisions. If, if there's no decisions to be made, then it's not a game. You're just being played. And so if we open up politics and democracy to people having real decisions, then inherently that gives them more power uh, than if they're just showing up and running through a, a rote process. So what I found in, in my research and in my book is that game design is a really difficult craft, that designing activities that are not manipulative, that are genuinely empowering, um, isn't simple. It's not something that just has to be done by game designers necessarily, but it's not as simple as just adding points or adding rules to a process and then suddenly transforming it into a, a vibrant, fun game. And so what I hope that my book helps do is to make that craft of game design more accessible to organizers, to activists, and, and to the rest of us. Early on in this interview, you mentioned some of the work that was done in Brazil. But in this book, you focus on the town of Rosario in Argentina. Could you explain what they've done? Sure. So when I was starting out with this book, I looked around the world for uh, cities and government programs that were using games and game design in innovative ways. And there's a lot happening around the world. Um, I found more in Rosario than anywhere else. So it's a city that, that for me has gone the farthest to integrating games into local democracy through a, a myriad of programs that have been effective over, over decades now in many cases. Uh, everything from children's councils in which youth decide on city policies to theater games uh, that are used by city staff to decide how to implement local and national laws 
to uh, puzzle games that are used by shantytown residents to actually redesign shantytowns and to transform them into new neighborhoods. The city even passed an ordinance for a municipal day of play and games. So they've really incorporated this throughout the city. Uh, There's a lot more to to go, of course, but I, I was impressed by what they accomplished and how that really had a lot of ripple effects throughout the city and throughout the government. And and I think it's one of the most vibrant democracies that I've seen at the local level. And games have played a significant role in building this deep civic engagement over a few decades. Now, you've studied Rosario, but in your own practice, you've worked with game design and political engagement in Toronto and in other cities. What have you learned from these assignments? Uh, A few key things. One is the basic game mechanics and design elements work across contexts. Uh, so they work in Argentina, they work in Toronto, they work in the U.S. Uh, the question isn't if they work, it's more how they work and how they can work best. Um, and there certainly are differences there in different places. So, for example, you may want to highlight and um, link to different outcomes in a place like Toronto than in the shanty towns of Argentina. So rather than in Argentina focusing on outcomes being getting paved streets, in a place like Toronto, outcomes can be having renovated playgrounds. So people's needs and concerns are different, and the outcomes that games and political processes can lead to are also different and should be different. And, and that's really critical. But most of the time when, um, you know, when I started out working in Toronto, people would be a bit skeptical about the effect of some of these games. And every time that I used one of them, people would appreciate it afterwards. So there's an initial reluctance to play. Uh, that we think of democracy, it, it should be very serious. But when people actually start to have fun, they they always appreciate it afterwards and actually find that it's more effective. The other big thing that I learned is that game design takes a lot of time. Like democracy, it's not something that you can do overnight. It's uh, a lot harder than just having a public hearing in which people come up to the front of the stage and speak for three minutes and sit down. And it's, it is hard as a practitioner, as someone who designs political processes, it's hard finding the time to design them in a really intelligent, engaging way. Uh, what I do find is that whenever I set aside the time and whenever my organization and, and other groups we work with set aside the time to integrate game mechanics and games into our work, that it pays off and that the process is more effective in the long run. So what I hope that, that we can do is start to value that and recognize that if we want to transform democracy in the long term, we need to take this more seriously and to redesign how these processes work, even if that takes an initial investment. Josh Lerner, the author of Making Democracy Fun, How Game Design Can Empower Citizens and Transform Politics. Thanks for being on the MIT Press podcast today. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. For more information about this and other titles, please visit our website at mitpress.mit.edu. Don't forget, you can find the MIT Press on Facebook, www.facebook.com slash MIT Press. And you can also follow us on Twitter, where we are at MIT Press. Thanks for listening to this episode of the MIT Press podcast. Copyright 2014, the MIT Press, all rights reserved.